Welcome to episode 16 of 21st Century Boys. This is Joe Crawford. And James Crawford. And we're going to jump right in with some reading that we've been doing lately. First up, I got Superman for All Seasons by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And this is one Jack has read as well, so he'll give his thoughts once I get done with the synopsis. So, starts with spring, the birth. We see Clark in Smallville as he's coming to grips with his powers. And also important, we learn how Ma and Pa treat Clark with these developments. After a tornado hits Smallville, Clark reveals his powers to friend Lana Lang, and Clark leaves to Metropolis to become Superman, work at the Daily Planet, that sort of thing. Summer is narrated by Lois. Clark is working at the paper, and Lois kind of does, kind of doesn't have a thing for Lex Luthor. Clark finds Lana has left home when he goes to visit his folks, and there's a fire at LexCorp. Clark goes in to rescue a biochemist from the building, and Lex uses this against him later on in the book. So, Fall is narrated by Luther, and Luther's plot to defeat Superman by showing Clark that he can't stop everything. He develops a toxin that affects everyone's respiratory system. The biochemist from earlier, now dubbed Toxin, goes with him to help spread the antidote. She dies of exposure, and this has Clark uh, learning from Lex that he can't save everyone. And disheartened, Clark goes home. So, Winter, narrated by Lana Lang. And this is about Lana and Clark back in Smallville. They talk about why they both left. They visit with a really upset Pete Ross. He's not happy that he got left behind. Uh, but there's a flood coming. Ma and Pa, I don't know, in my opinion, kind of foolishly decide to wait out the night and leave the next morning. Clark's on rescue and intervention, and the folks are going to head to a shelter. Lana tells Clark, you may be able to do things nobody else can do, but that doesn't make it any less hard to be who you want to be. I don't know. I really like that line. Clark does what he can to help with the flood, but ends up, he still has to rescue his folks in Lana because they crash through like this covered bridge. But after dealing with the flood, he returns to Metropolis and he's reinvigorated and ready to be Superman again. And for me, it's pretty much a, super, a perfect Superman book and I would give it five stars. I also read Superman for all seasons after reading most of Jeff Loeb's titles. Or Batman because I read them right after the movie came out because I really liked it and so I wanted to check it out because that's really his only work that I had seen that wasn't outside of it and I want to read more Superman because I thought it was really good it I didn't know as much about Smallville and the stuff in it before it sure so I thought that was really interesting and I had a very fun time with it cool another some more books I read one of one of them is Batman Year Two for the Reaper. This is a title that is like a sequel to Batman Year One. Not completely made by like the same creators and everything. So not exactly in like the same universe, I guess. But made with the same intentions and same ideas. This takes place this is uh Detective Comics, just some random volumes like the certain arc. I think it's like four hundred and fifty three through four hundred fifty eight or something like that. It is mainly made by Todd McFarlane, which I thought was very interesting. And it follows Batman trying to defeat this serial killer named the Reaper. It's really interesting, but compared to some of the other titles I've read, I didn't see it as as important and it's kinda just like a normal Batman story. Like nothing out of the world. Or sure. It's amazing, but it's good. I also read Batman, The Man Who Laughs. This title is uh, another Joker title. It's about defeating him. And you can get it pretty cheap. It's only like 13 bucks to get the entire plot on Amazon. So that's pretty cool. Nice. It I, There's another just miscellaneous story at the end, though, which is him working with Alan Scott to try to defeat the serial killer who only uses, like, wood. It's really fun, and I really enjoyed that one. That's cool. Yeah, Alan Scott, you know, old school Green Lantern can't, can't do anything against wood. <laughs> yeah, I found that funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. I'll take one. Uh, Superman, Escape from Bizarro World. It's uh, Jeff Johns, Richard Donner, art by the phenomenal... Oh, man, I can't think of his name. Eric Powell. I'm really sorry. Not that you would ever listen to the show, but Eric Powell. Okay, Bizarro comes to Earth to kidnap Pa. Clark has to go to, to the Bizarro world uh, to find him. 
And he finds the world, and Bizarro has had exposure through Blue Sun, so he, he's got a whole world of Bizarros now. So there's a Bizarro Jimmy, a Bizarro Lois, Perry, Justice League, Lex, Doomsday, the Joker. And also, Clark gets new powers, and Pa actually gets temporary powers. So when Doomsday almost kills Superman, Pa is to the rescue, and Superman kind of doesn't know what to do. So he's going to destroy Bizarro World, but Pa reminds him, you know, you should help people and not hurt them. So, of course, he does the right thing and takes Pa back to Earth. And Pa returns to normal, and Bizarro World returns to, I guess, abnormal? I get really frustrated when I read Bizarro because I can't remember if everything's backwards or if just some stuff's backwards. Um, it was a fun story. The art was superb because, like I say, it was Eric Powell art, and there's some reprints in it as well that delve into the history of Bizarro. So it is one I picked up on the cheap from Books a Million many years ago and I just finally got around to reading it, but definitely worth a look, at least for the main story. I recently read the first volume of Batman Superman World's Finest, and I would say I definitely recommend the series. It is a lot of fun. It, it seems like it's more on the Superman side of things, at least from the first volume, but it is an accurate depiction of both characters. It the art is very cute, it's very fun to look at, and it's very fast-paced. Uh, a lot happens in the first volume. Yeah, a ton a happens. A ton happens, and it's only like 20 pages, I'm right. pretty sure. But, so if you like ADHD or whatever, it's <laughs> a perfect thing for you, man. <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> it ha- It also just has the the people in it. Yeah. The people? The people in it. Oh, yeah. No, nah, it got like... It had Robin in it. Yeah, Robin. It had like Lex and Metallo and stuff. Yeah, and Poison Ivy, I think. Poison Ivy, yeah. 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 It has him get infected with one of the Kryptonites. I think it's the red one. Yeah, and one so, of them. He it is it does not go well for him. Yeah, they try to save him from it, and to help him with it, uh, they have what's the Kryptonite gas. No, it's. It was a surprise appearance for them in it. it oh, was okay. like, who's Beast Boy with? The Doom Patrol. The Doom Patrol. Appeared. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about and, that. Yeah, yeah, they appeared it's been to like, a while save since I read it. Yeah, and it's really fun. And I was like, wow. I don't remember who wrote it, but it's Dan Mora art, so it looks phenomenal. Yeah, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. I also read JLA Tower of Babel. This is a really fun one. Yep. It is about. Batman, uh, how he's taking down the Justice League, how he has all these plots in it, and right. so Raza will takes advantage of that and uses Talia to try to defeat all of them. This is like Kyle Rayner and Plastic Man and just all the other members, you know. Yeah, it's a really fun story, and I think it's good. I like it. We pissed a lot of people off uh, at Batman, that's for sure. That's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. At the end, the whole thing is deciding like whether or not they should keep him, right? Is in case they might get in danger again, they won't be killed. And then identity crisis happened, and Batman gets mad at everybody. So mm-hmm. there so, you go, quid pro quo. I also read Batman White Knight. I have read the first volume for like I'm not sure if it was like Comic Book Day or like the Batman, Batman Day. day. It might have been day. Batman Day. I don't remember. But this is a story about how. Batman may have been like too uh, harsh on criminals, and how at in this timeline, like Joker hasn't really done much. Right. He's like robbed a few banks, but because of Batman, he's perceived as like one of the most evil people in the world. So he decides to get help from Harleen Quinzel and become mayor and like try to convince people that Batman is being a little dummy. And it's a lot of fun. It's really good. Like, have you read it? Really I've fun. read parts of it. I don't think I read the full thing. Yeah, yeah, it has some sequels to it, which I plan to get to soon. Yeah. I'm not sure how to completely do it. but It's like Sean Murphy art, so it, it, I mean, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It looks fantastic. Yeah. yeah, something I found kind of funny. They're on a sequel on it right now. It's like they're yeah. on like series three. Yeah, Beyond the White Knight or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, something I find kind of funny... Is how they come in this world. The one that turns into Harley Quinn is like a completely different just person taking up the role, right? Because in this world, the actual 
like doctor person wouldn't go that far oh, with the okay. Joker. And I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was fun. So I just read uh, the newest so far uh, edition of My Hero Academia. That was volume 30. So I think we talked about this maybe last episode. Midori is fighting Shigaraki and things are coming to a head. So they like move into the spirit realm and while Shigaraki's trying to steal one for all, formal users are able to interact with Midoriya, and all for one as well joins the fight. Uh, still continuing from the previous volume, though, we still have like the the fights going on with the villains and heroes. We learned the hero the origin of Dobby, and that's pretty big spoiler. So it's one so big I, I'm not going to spoil it here if you're interested in the series I don't want to ruin that for you but let's just say Dobby uh, has an identity that's important later on um, Togo and o- Ochako how do you say her name? Yuraka I know that's oh the, okay Yuraka anyway so the, the the heroine who floats so they face off and things get kind of weird and interesting there as well so um, it was a pretty great volume there was lots of action in it, and you get some intrigue because Toga's... I don't know what's going on with Toga. She's a weird one. But uh, you definitely have a lot of stuff going on, especially with Shigaraki and with Dobby. So if you're a fan, you've probably already read it. But if you're getting on board and haven't got that far, a uh, lot to look forward to. I recently read two different Catwoman comics, one of, one of which is Catwoman, Selena's Big Scooter. This is just about, like, her connections with people. And I think she goes to, like, France or something. It's been a while since I read it. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I don't remember much. But it looks very nice. <laughs> it was a pretty book. <laughs> it was a pretty book. Yeah. Uh, another one I read is by Loeb. Jeff Loeb, it, yeah. Yeah. It's Catwoman, When in Rome. I enjoyed this one a bit more. This is about them going to Rome. Her and Imagine that. Her and the Riddler. <laughs> and they're here to do some stuff. For real. And I really like the Riddler in it. He's just kind of just joining along and trying to help Catwoman. And he's really funny in it. I like how it's perceived. The art is great. It's Tim Sale. And I really like his artwork. It's very unique, but it fits Batman very well in the universe that it's in. True, true. Um... So, good book. I will read. I recommend When in Rome. It got reprinted pretty recently. Yeah. Because of the. I think I have like the first issue of it. That's it. It's pretty good. Woohoo. Also, another one by Loeb. This one is a little bit less popular because it came out right after like his streak Mm -hmm. with like The Long Halloween, Dark Victory, When in Rome, as previously mentioned. He had Hush later on, but besides that, his other titles weren't as big, and this is one of them. Patman private case, private case book. Okay. This one is just a bunch of miscellaneous stories in the world, and I gotta say, well, I do really like Loeb's like full series. I would admit his like one shots are a little bit weak in my opinion. Uh, the artwork is not Tim Sale, and I really like Tim Sale's artwork. The artwork's still good, but like it doesn't give off that vibe. Sure, sure. My favorite story was a story where he was working with Zatanna to defeat the one of them, <laughs> one of the peoples. <laughs> it was the one with like the puppet. I forgot oh, his name. Ventriloquist. Ventriloquist. Yeah. And there's this one person that's working with with him. That's like Batman's friend. So it's kind of interesting. Cool. I mainly like the Zatanna stuff though. It's cool. And you know what makes it so great? It's two volumes, not just one. Nice. Okay, Chainsaw cool. Man, volume 10. Aki is dead. Chainsaw killed him. What a jerk. So Denji goes to power, uh, and you kind of have them like moving out of the house, moving into a new house, because even though he killed Aki, Aki left the two of them all their money. So in this really weird sequence, he goes to um, Amakima's house, and he reiterates that he wants to be her dog, and he gets surrounded by dogs. And she tells him that she's going to open the door, and then when she does, Power's going to be outside, and she's going to kill her. And he opens the door, and Makima blows Power in half. So, wow. I don't know if that's really her, or if this is just mine stuff. Um, so, then they're outside, and Chainsaw Man... Uh, man 
uh, is tricked into kind of attacking her. And it gets really weird. This whole thing's like a fever dream. So there's this weird sequence where he's like in full chainsaw mode. And he goes to a burger joint. And he like chops off the Burger King's head. So it's like this dude with a hamburger head or something. And he cuts it off. And he orders a cheeseburger because he said all he ever wanted was a cheeseburger. And this waitress brings it to him and drops it. And then she picks it up and then she drops it again. And he finally eats it. It's just so bleeping weird. And then he kidnaps a waitress and they go play Dance Dance Revolution. Because that's apparently another dream that Dingy's always had. The whole thing's just crazy. Um, then he... Uh, Runs into Makima again, and there's a big fighty McFighterson, and she like blows him into space, and it was absolutely insane. And Chainsaw Man is wonderful, and if you like manga, you should be definitely reading it. And if you don't like manga, you should be definitely reading it. And if you like weird crap with really bizarre stuff, you should be reading it. So, read Chainsaw Man. I recently read Batman Who Laughs. I'll say recently, it was probably about two months ago. Uh, Batman Jeez. Who Laughs is this story about this one Batman who like kind of like the Joker, and he like want to kill all the other Batmans because he thinks they're not as cool, and so he does. He kills all of them, and then he comes for the one that's like in there, the like main one, you know, and so he tries to fight him, and he loses. Uh oh, stinky, and. <laughs> It's pretty good. I thought the artwork was very nice. It connects to one of the events. I think it was like the Dark Knight Metal or something. Yeah. So there's probably some stuff I don't understand about it. Like, isn't Metal like the crisis equivalent of like right now? Uh, yeah, kind of. It was a way to like try to bring some of the multiversal stuff back and deal with some things. And it was also, you know, tying into the Scott Snyder Batman run with the... But then also this last... And the, what's it called? Death Metal? Yeah. Is basically to clean up the big bleeping mess that Tom King had made with Batman and Heroes in Crisis. And I'll be honest with you, I think it, it did a pretty good job. So kudos to Death Metal and Scott Snyder and Capullo. But yeah, so it's it's crisis level was the idea. Yeah. I, oh, right. Snyder makes it. And Snyder does a really good job yeah. with Batman stories. Yeah. So it's very good. Yeah. And... I, <laughs> funny thing about it is that it kills all of them. Yeah. So, like, Crisis is, like, gone for real. Well, now they're bringing Crisis right back again, mm-hmm. so there's a new one, Dark Crisis, so. Yep. I think that's the name. Yeah. Recently, I, well, well, actually, yeah, because I've been reading it continuously. Recently, I read the Batman Detective Comics run. This is the Rebirth one, which is all about, like, the Bat family and stuff, and I think it's a whole lot of fun. It's about all the individual members Basically, besides the Robins, except for when they do appear. But it's mostly about all the other members. I think it's Tim Drake, right, in that one? Yeah. Well, yeah. nah, because that, he's the only one that, like, he he, he kind of dies, but not really. He gets kidnapped, but people think he dies. So for, like, half the series, he's gone. So. Oh, I thought it was, like, Robin and Batwoman and Clayface. Let me think. Damien, I'm pretty sure, is still dead. Okay. Tim Drake is kidnapped. And... I don't think there's really any Robin there. Oh, my bad. So Go ahead. Nightwing might be there. Yeah. But anyway. It's mainly about, like, all the other members that you don't really see as much about. It's like Cassandra Kane Right. And Batwing and stuff. I think it's a whole lot of fun. Also, Clayface is there, and it works with them. It's a, I think it's very cute. It has him, like, working with Batwing to try to get his a way to turn back to normal and stuff. It's like a redemption story. It's a lot of fun until Batwoman kills him. But we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. For real. Uh, It's a lot of fun, though. I recommend it if you're trying to get into the Bat family besides Batman. Also got, like, uh, Tim Drake's girlfriend. That's the... Stephanie Brown? Yeah, spoiler. Yeah. No, and that's not a spoiler. That's her name. Just in case somebody doesn't know that. So, um... This is one I believe we covered on another show that I'm on called um, DC Everything Else. And I think my buddy Kirk covered it. So I'll just give a quick breakdown of everything. So this is Sergeant Rock, issue 21 from February 1992. It was Easter. I don't have any Easter comics that I know of, so I read a couple of Christmas books. I guess that's kind of weird, but that's what I did. 
So anyway, the first story, Rock kills this kid. He's German, and he's got a picture of his little brother, and he wants to make sure that he gets the letter that he wrote to his little brother to him because he feels like the dead kid's eyes are watching him. So while they're off on their march, Rock breaks off and goes off on his own and gets into it several times with different Nazis. He goes, finds the kid... The kid's not happy because, duh, I mean, he killed his brother, so he's calling him a murderer. But, you know, he wanted to make sure that he gets the message to the kid. And basically the message is that, you know, Hitler is a piece of garbage and that he wished he hadn't fought in this war. And so, I guess in his own way the kid forgave him. I don't know. It'd be pretty hard to get over it. But uh, it ends with... uh, Rock getting away, and he ends with this quote, It's a dirty war, and it's getting dirtier all the time, but someone's got to do the cleaning up. And, of course, it's going to be Rock. Uh, Next one is uh, just a real quick uh, no-dialogue story called 22 Hours to San Francisco by John Severin. It's absolutely gorgeous. Then there is a USS Stevens story, which is pretty good. Then you get um, a battle roster of Easy Cove by Joe Kubert. Pretty cool. You get Bulldozer, Ice Cream Soldier, Little Sure Shot, Whistler, Wild Man, Weepy Willie, Zack, Jackie Johnson, and Farmer. And they don't have a picture of Rock, but obviously he's one of them as well. And then you get one more story with Rock, and it's called Battle Harvest. And the gist of it is they, uh, I don't know, there's a really, it's just got some fun stuff in it. There's a big scene where they make giant snowmen and shove them down a mountain, and that's what kills the Nazis. Then, um... The uh, air su- support comes and helps them, and they shoot the Nazis, and they end up frozen under a lake of water. And so I guess that's the brittle harvest. And then there's one last final story called Where Have All the Heroes Gone? And once uh, once again, this is no dialogue, just pictures. Ending, of course, with the famous lines from DC, Make War No More. Uh, great issue, if you ever run across it. Sergeant Rock number 21, well worth picking up. Recently, I read Batman the Killing Joke. I got it from Ali's when we went with Kurt. Yep. And they had the noir version for $5. And I decided to get it because it was only $5. That's a good point. So I read it, and it's pretty good. (laughs) It's about Joker and his origin story. And, like, how he become the Joker. I thought he was, like, evil. But I guess he just kind of had some people fit him into the helmet. Yeah. And they just ran off. Yeah. And then Batman threw him into the gas. Yeah. Yeah. He got he got hosed. He was just yeah. a schmuck trying to make a dollar. Yeah. So then this is him kind of getting revenge in a way. Uh, So he shoots Baba Golden and they puts Commissioner Golden in like a stripper suit. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And then he tells a joke to Batman and they start laughing like... And he rents an amusement park. It's kind of fun, but it's also pretty short. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I, it was originally yeah. just one one issue, and they've turned it into a full-size graphic novel. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. I also read Batman Under the Hood right after Death of the Family, which I talked about on the previous episode. Because I was like, what's going to happen to Jason Todd? So I read it, and it was pretty good. It's about... Jason Todd, and that's why I was talking about him, and how he was the Red Hood, and how he was disguising himself, and how Batman found him, and how he was working kinda like as a mob boss to like kill people for real, and he like against black mask and stuff. He was kind of funny. He's like kind of a good guy, but not really. And even though he does kill people, and he does seem like a bad guy in the story. And he seems better in the other stories. He still does kind of keep that role throughout. He's a lot of fun. And I think this is one of the best representations of Jason Todd. And I really like it. I also read Batman 3 Jokers. And I've heard, I've seen a lot of hate for the book. And I don't completely understand why. Maybe I need to read more Batman stories. It's okay if you don't dislike something. But I thought it was a... Pretty good book. Yeah, I've never read that one. Oh, really? Uh-huh. I thought you said you read it and how it was good. 
The well, three I jokers? For, I asked you if it was good. You said, yeah. I don't remember that. Whatever. There's three different jokers. I don't think any of them are real. Not the real one. <laughs> but the, there's three different ones. They're just like faking. And they're just kind of there. And they go like, we gotta catch them. <laughs> Okay. So it's Batman and Batgirl and Jason Todd, and maybe people don't like Jason Todd in it because he gets like kidnapped by Batman, not by that, by the Joker, one of them, and he gets like stripped down naked <laughs> in the Red Hood mask, and then they break it. I don't know. <laughs> no, I never read that. I think you must be remember one. I, I you must ask me about a different book. I've never heard of nah. it. It it does try to do something with Batgirl and Red Hood. And I guess maybe that's why people don't like it. Mm-hmm. Because Batgirl's been in a relationship with like everyone, including Batman, which is pretty weird. I don't like that. But, I don't know. Okay, uh, next one is one we kind of covered in the Christmas one. Uh, Christmas with the superheroes, I believe Chris covered uh, the in-depth the Dead Man and Supergirl story. So I won't even touch on that other than saying it's one of the best two stories in there. Um, So it's Christmas with the Superheroes. This is issue number two. This was published in 1988. First one is Ex Machina. It's a really good one where basically this guy's down on his luck. And he keeps trying to get people to stop. And he's so depressed because he's freezing to death in his car that he's going to kill himself. But Superman comes in, helps him get the car restarted, reheated, and sends him on his way to meet with the Kents in Smallville. Good heartwarming story. Next one is, and in the depths, artwork's good. It didn't do a whole lot for me. It's basically kind of highfalutin narrative about uh, the Batcave and Batman. It's pretty art. I don't know. It's it's typical like an anthology. It's not one I got very excited about. Speaking of one I didn't get very excited about, there's one called Gifts. And it's about a Christmas spent with Diana and some of her friends out on a farm. I didn't really love that one either. One of my favorites is uh, written and penciled by John Byrne and finished by Andy Kubert. And that's Silent Night. It's a enemy ace one. It's absolutely fabulous. Uh, he comes into a hospital. Uh, one of the injured people staying there is going to shoot him because he's a German. Another man stops him. But uh, enemy ace, of course, is one of those fellows who was only up to do goodwill. Except when he's shooting you down in the middle of the war. Because that's, I mean, it's war. That's how it happens. Next up, we got one with Green Lantern and Flash. There's this... It's so weird. So they, like, find this guy, and he's kind of a jerk. So, um... It turns out he's, like, some rich guy or something. I don't know if he's supposed to be, like, a Bill Gates kind of person or what. But they're going to show him that, you know, Christmas is meaning. So they put him in a Green Lantern sleigh, and they make him go give gifts everywhere while he's dressed up as Santa Claus. It's really weird, but I enjoyed it. So he learns the meaning of Christmas and gives a bunch of people presents, including a homeless family. So, you know, he le- he learns the meaning of Christmas. He's not a Scrooge like he thought he was in the beginning of it. And uh, once again, there's the Chris story with the dead man and Supergirl. And it's absolutely fabulous because I have a soft spot for Kara. And it's dead man learning to appreciate his effect on people and his importance in the grand scheme of things. So, I don't know if I'd wholeheartedly recommend it. It's an anthology. It's hit and miss. There's like half good. Well, no. Maybe two-thirds good and one-third kind of boring and not worth reading. So, anyway. Get it cheap or skip it. I read Batman Hush Volume 2. This is the second part because the original trades were split into two. But all the trades currently... Like, all the new ones would have all of it connected. While Batman Hush Volume 1 just kind of sets up the Hush exists. And that's it, really. This is where we see him actually appearing and doing stuff. And we find out that it was Batman's friend. And I kind of expected it. But it's also shown that, like, a bunch of people are, like, red flags of people who could be it. Because they show, like... They show, like, Jason Todd, like, Clayface as a clone of him. And he's like, I'm Hush. And Red Hood appears later, so we still don't know who he could be. Because he could still exist, I guess. 
in this scenario. And like we have Two-Face who gets healed back to just Harvey Dent. That's pretty crazy. They don't really do anything with it, but it's kind of cool. And he just works as like a detective to try to find out who Hush is. But he's also dressing in like the exact same suit. So like they try to decide who it is and they're like, could it be Harvey Dent? Maybe. It's really interesting though. It's a lot of fun. Again, it is another one of Jeff Loeb's stories. It's Jim Lee art, and even though I kind of prefer um, other art for Jeff Loeb, I still think that Jim Lee did a really good job with it, especially in the latter half of it. Sure. Batman Haunted Night is another one I read. Um, this is another one by Loeb. It got the art by Tim Sale, but like I mentioned previously, like something with uh, the private case, private case book is a bunch of one-offs. They are given a bit more time. They are more like 60 pages instead of just the regular 20. So it does work a little bit better with them. But I'd still say they do f fall flat compared to a lot of his other stuff. They look very good like visually, but I, when compared to a bunch of his other work, I'm not sure if I would completely recommend it. Still good though. I also read... Batman R.I.P. This one's a little weird. This is that is, Grant Morrison? I believe it. Yeah, Grant Morrison. Yeah, I've read that one. I, it is weird. It's kind of fun near the end because the Zorin Ra and Batmite just appear <laughs> to defeat him. And it's just a lot of fun. Not even to defeat him, really. Right. He's just kind of there to defeat the Joker, I guess. But he's just there, and it's really fun. I did have a lot of fun with that. But other than that, it's kind of weird. It's just them trying to lead up to his death so Nightwing can be become Batman. And I'm not a big fan of that, to be honest. But Zorin, that's cool. Say that again. Cool. Uh, this one, Jack has already covered, so go be super fast with it. It's one of those that, after he covered, I was super excited to pick up a copy. And that's the thing, number eight. And it was, a uh, let's see, from 2006 is the Dan Slot run. It's basically he has Poker Night over at his house. So you've got pretty much every bleeping superhero there is, including the uh, Great Lakes Avengers. And they keep like going, we're going to be the Great Lake X-Men. And somebody goes, I don't think so. And they're like, we're going to be the Great Lake Defenders. And Doctor Strange is like, oh, no, you ain't. And then they're like, we'll be the Great Lake Champions. And uh, what's his name? Hercules gets all bent out of shape. So it just kind of tells you the adventure that Thing had with Squirrel Girl before. When they were fighting that two-headed guy. And then it has him playing some poker with the Hulk. And, you know, basically one after another. Uh, ben Grimm wins every poker game. That is until the end of the story. Where he's playing poker against... Um, uh, which guy is this one? That's Flatman. That's not Flatman. Oh, that's Mr. Incredible. Okay. So, basically... Mr. Incredible be Oh no it was Flatman. You're right. I was I was pointing at this character, but the guy who actually won the, the poker round was uh, Flatman. So basically, um they're so good at poker because they never actually fight villains and um lot a lot of it was a good fun story. I definitely think it's worth picking up. That is thing number eight from the Dan Slot run. Good fun story. I recent well kinda recently read Batman Nightfall. Now this is split into three different volumes. But I guess if you got them when they originally came out, it was actually three different series, and the trades are just called Batman Nightfall. So, Volume 1 is just the normal Nightfall. This is the one where Bane breaks Batman's neck and everything leading up to it. So, Bane comes there. And basically, everyone's against Batman. Like, Joker's working with Scarecrow, and all the villains are released out of jail. It's a whole lot of fun, and out of all of the Nightfall titles, this is probably the one I'd recommend the most. It's the most important, and it's the most fun. Volume 2 is called The Crusade. This is where uh, Azrael becomes Batman for yep. a little bit. And it's kind of him redeeming himself, because right now he's like someone who's trying to kill villains. That's not really Batman's thing. So Robin's kind of sussy about it. He's kind of suspicious. He doesn't like it at all, and he's going to report him the office but then eventually as he works more with robin he starts being less harsh to the villains and 
Robin sees him as a better guy. And then Volume 3 is Nightsend. And that's just to get Azrael out of the way. Because... But it kind of ruins Volume 2. Because they're like, oh, Azrael's killing people again. Oh, he's bad now. Yeah. So, Batman comes back and now he has to fight him. It's still good, but compared to the other volumes, it does seem kind of pointless. He could just ask for the title back and Azrael could be like, okay. You gotta fight for the belt, though, You gotta kid. fight for the belt, though. Because I guess now Azrael's addicted to being Batman. So, Batman's like, I gotta shoot you now, kid. Oh and gosh. he's like, oh, dang. So... Pretty crazy. Uh, part one and f- part two are very good, though. I would recommend those. Still me. Batman Arkham Asylum is another one I read because I was playing the games and I was like, oh, they got comics. So, like, Arkham Asylum based on the game or, like, oh, the original Arkham oh, Asylum? Oh, my bad. I played the game and then I'll start a comic. This one's actually the original comic. Okay, I mean, yeah, so the so Grant Morrison one? Yeah, the Grant yeah. Morrison one. Okay. This is all a crazy comic. That takes place in Batman's dreams. It's about all the villains being released and Joker taking control and trying to trap Batman in this asylum. It's a whole lot of crazy and I had to reread it two times because the art kind of overshadows the text. So like a lot of it's just hidden under it or like twisted around it so that it works with it. And the artwork's very nice. It's very cool. It's very spooky. But it's a very cool comic. And I will recommend though. If you're kind of confused with it. You should read it from the new like trade. Because it got the script right after that. And that just has everything nice and clean. Easy to read. And I read it that way right after. And I understood it a whole lot more. Cool. I also. So now here's the actual like based on the games. I read Batman Arkham Unhinged. This is kind of a bunch of miscellaneous stories that take place as like a prequel to the game Arkham City. It's a whole lot of fun. I think there's like three or four trades of it. And there's a bunch of stories just about the random characters in it. They all kind of are in order. And for the most part, I would say you could read them before the story of the game. But near the final trade and the one before it. They start doing stuff that happens, like, in between the game. So then it gets kind of into spoiler territory. So maybe, like, the first two and a half trades, and I'll get all the, like, cool stuff from it. In the third one, I believe, there is a very good story about, like, just Killer Croc, how he became it and stuff. It's a very fun story. Even if you aren't into, like, the games or, like, the stories in it, I would still recommend reading it because it's very good. They also have a story about, like, Catwoman's relationship with, like, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, and that one's really good, too. Cool. Uh, so, this morning I read Secret Origins Shazam, and this is Secret Origins number three, and once you open it, it says Secret Origins starring Captain Marvel, because, of course, you can't put Captain Marvel on the front of a DC comic book. So, this is from 1986. This is Roy Thomas, Jerry Bingham, Steve Mitchell. So you've got the typical Roy Thomas, very faithful adaptation. Uh, Billy goes down, down, down behind this weird-looking stranger into the catacombs of the subway, and he gets on a funky train, and the train drops him off, and you see pride, envy, greed, hatred, selfishness, laziness, and injustice. And there's an old man, and he's got a brick above his head. Welcome, Billy Batson. Hi, but that block, I how'd you know my name? I know everything. I am Shazam! And he's about to get shot by the lightning. <laughs> so, um, and then he's like, I've been watching you since you was a baby. That's kind of creepy, this old man watching him since he was a baby. He's like, I got a brick on my head. Say my name. And he goes, say my name, say my name, Shazam. And it falls on his head, and he turns into Captain Marvel. And then, padam! Shazam's dead, and Billy's back upstairs like, Ooh, what a weird dream. I'm going to lay down and take a nap with a bunch of papers. So he's a newspaper boy, but he's laying with all the newspapers he was supposed to sell, and then somebody wakes him up by throwing him and hitting him in the head with a bunch of newspapers, and I'm like, where's all the money? Doesn't he have to pay for these papers that he's selling? 
So, who's getting the money in this thing? So, the whole thing's weird. Some gangsters come and buy a paper from him. And he's like, I'm going to follow them and see what they're up to. Woo-hoo. I don't know why that's Mickey Mouse, but he goes up there to follow what they're up to, and he meets the head of the radio station, and he's like, I heard these gangsters, and they're going to, like, turn off your radio. And the guy's like, eh, if you can prove that, I'll give you your own uh, job. So he's like, I'm going to prove it. Shazam! And then he turns into Shazam. Well, we call him Shazam now, but when I was a kid, we said Captain Marvel. It's confusing. Anyway, Captain Marvel slash Shazam. And uh, he flies and sees some lady with no clothes on. And he's a little boy. So he's like, oh, that's inappropriate. And then he um, shows up. And it's Dr. Savannah. And he's going to be the one who takes over the radio. But, of course, big man busts through. Takes out all the suckers. Destroys their gun. Pulls them out of an elevator. Just generally kicks everybody's butt. And he talks to Savannah and smashes the TV he's on. Turns back into Billy Batson. And, of course, the guy who uh, said, I'll give you a job, gave him a job. So, really fun issue of Secret Origin. Shazam is awesome. I've always loved Captain Marvel. And this is, you know, right when they rebooted him in the 80s post-crisis. I think uh, around the time of Legends. So, pretty fun issue. See it. I would definitely recommend picking that one up. I actually recently read Batwoman Earth Prime Volume 1. I saw the art for it, and I was like, dang, this is kind of cute. And the inside, and I was reading that, and I was like, dang, this is pretty cute. The artwork's very nice, but I will say, I, it was kind of advertised, at least to me, it seemed like it wasn't completely connected to the CW. You could understand it without reading it. Maybe even, like, a re... I don't know, like, a reboot of the story, but in the comic form. But it's more just of, like, a tie-in to it. So I didn't really understand what was going on. I had a fun time with it, but I said I would only really recommend if you're into the CW series. I also read Deadpool Samurai, and it's kind of weird. I didn't love it. I didn't even finish it. I finished it, but I'm not completely sure what's... Well, yeah, I kind of am. Deadpool goes to Japan, and they're trying to just form an Avengers there, I guess. But they're all samurais. But they're all samurais. Yeah. So they hire, like, a girl who has a spider suit, but doesn't know who Spider-Man is. Yeah, that was weird. And, like, this girl who has a, who's a pop idol, but has, like, venom in her. Right. It's kind of weird. I actually liked her better than probably the whole book. She was kind of cool. Yeah. I w- Deadpool, for the most part, is actually represented, but when he's just saying the random titles of... The thing as like references, it comes off more as corny than as like something I would enjoy. Yeah, it's not good. I'd say pass. Yeah, pass it probably. I'll read volume two just to see what's going on, but I might wait for like the library or something. I'm not gonna buy it. Yeah, I wouldn't buy that one. Another interesting one is Batman the Imposter. I don't remember that one. This one is a newer one. It came out in 2021. It's a DC like black label title mm-hmm. and it is about this other another person faking to be Batman and how like you can't really do anything because the whole thing is trying to keep your identity secret mm. so this person used it to his advantage and eventually gets to the point where like Batman has to turn himself in because they can't find the other one uh another really interesting conflict is that when they're trying to look for this for Batman because he's been killing people and they think it's the actual Batman because they don't know there's an imposter yet. One of the people that comes to meet him is this police woman that Bruce Wayne actually starts dating for a little while. And then comes makes a really interesting relationship and a very interesting conflict when she finds out he is Batman. It's a very cool story. It's only a few volumes but it's completely worth it. I do recommend. Cool. All right. You got any more tonight after this? I got three more. Three more? Okay. Well, I'll split this in half then. So, um, I'll, I'll give you a breakdown, basically, what's in here, and I'll do one of my fun little stories at the very end. At least I think they're fun. I have fun doing them. I don't know if anybody likes them or not. All right, so this is Amazing Spider-Man uh, Atlantis Attacks Marvel Annual from 1989, so it's number 23. This one is slam-packed with stuff. 
The first story is a tie-in about Atlantis attacks and it's got Spidey and crazy-haired Mary Jane uh, teaming up with She-Hulk and they end up fighting against the Abomination. Rob Liefeld art's pretty wild off the wall. Looks very much in line with the kind of stories that were coming out uh, from Spidey in the 90s. I will say that I really do like what Rob does here with Kingpin. He looks absolutely grotesque and very cool. Um, and of course, you know, they're going to save the day because that's what happens. My Science Project is uh, Conway and Bagley. And basically, it's a retelling of the Spider-Man story. So it's pretty straightforward if you know the origin of Peter. Uh, not a whole lot of changes. You got the fight with Crusher. Or you get the spider bite, fight with Crusher Hogan. You get him making a suit at home. Going on to TV, doing stunts. Not stopping the guy who goes to kill Uncle Ben. You know, like I say, pretty straightforward. Uh, then you get a little bit about his spider sense. That's kind of fun. Uh, there's a story we're going to come back to and I'm going to do in depth. And it's basically an Aunt May story. And real quick, uh, Spider-Man's top 30 villain countdown. Uh, number 30 is the Red Skull. And it, it literally cuts all the way down through 30 of the villains. So I'll just round out the ending. Let's see. This is a little more than 10. This looks like the last... I don't know, 12. So it goes, so the top 12, starting at 12, is Mysterio, Sandman, J. Jonah Jameson, um, Eddie Brock Venom. Oh, actually, no, that's the burglar who killed Uncle Ben, is at number nine. Then Eddie Brock Venom, Scorpion, Vulture. Next at number five is Dr. Doom. Then Wilson Fisk, Craven, Dr. Octopus. And it looks like for they cheated, so the number one foes they gave to... Uh, Hobgoblin and Green Goblin kind of like paired them together. And then just kind of a really fun, goofy story uh, that has got uh, J. Jonah versus Spidey. Really weird. It kind of like the history of their fight together. And last, just more Atlantis attack stuff. So out of context, it was probably my least favorite thing in here because I've never read the Atlantis attack stuff. And it's Uatu telling about the saga of the Serpent Crown. From the look of it, it's something that must have been in all of the issues. So, Jack's going to finish off his last three, then I'll come back and I'll uh, tell you the Aunt May story real quick before we call it a night. Another title I've read connected to the games is Batman Arkham Origins. This is a lot different from other titles I've read because this is an interactive book, kind of in a similar vein to You Are Deadpool, but without all, all the confusing stuff. It, it seems like its main function is to work kind of like a game as you get to pick different choices and go through different options and it seems like you could get a lot of reading out of this book is they take advantage a lot of the pages that they have uh it's pretty good it's about like batman's first appearance uh meet with like black mask and penguin and these different villains in this specific universe and it's a lot of fun. It's about 108 pages. Each run would probably be like 30, 40 at most, though. So, that's cool. I also read Batman Arkham Knight. Compared to all the other ones in the story, the Arkham Knight stories are probably the most important to the actual series. Because the other ones are mostly like just miscellaneous ones that you could use without. And you could probably still understand it without reading the book, but I would say the book does add a bit more to the a franchise. This one's probably the longest one and also the most consistent. Well, I'd say I had the most fun with Arkham City because of like the Killer Croc story and stuff. This one is probably is the best overall. It has the best art and it's pretty cool. Another one connected kind of to Arkham Knight it's Arkham Knight Genesis. One thing about the Arkham Knight game is that its main focus is on their ver version's universe of like Red Hood and how it got there. And this one kind of functions as a Red Hood origin and it differs a lot from the Jason Todd origin. So you should keep that in mind when reading and comparing it to the actual one. It's a lot of fun though. It focuses on like Joker actually like training him in a way it's really interesting i found it good mm -hmm. just like a few volumes
Probably the shortest of all of them. Yeah. Cool. All done? Yeah. All right. Well, the last thing we've got is going to be standard of behavior, and this is starring Aunt May in her very first solo adventure. I don't know if I buy that, but okay. So, this dude shows up at her house, and she's, I don't know, like, maybe seeing if he wants to live there or something, but he's got a camera, and all he's doing is running around taking pics. We keep a quiet house. Most of the tenants are re retired. Though, of course, there's my nephew Peter and his wife Mary Jane, but they're quite well-mannered for a young couple. Where's the kid's uncle? Oh, he was killed by a burglar some years ago. It's a rough neighborhood, huh? It's gone down the tubes. Oh, it's a nice neighborhood. I forgot your name. Katzenberg, Mrs. P. Nick Katzenberg. You know, I think I'm going to love it here. So then we find out this guy's like, the whole point is he's trying to figure out why Peter always gets such good pictures of Spider-Man. So he's gone to his childhood home to try to figure out what's going on. Why does uh, Peter always get pictures of Spidey? None of the other tenants are home at the moment, Mr. Katzenberg. And since the room you'll be renting is such a frightful mess, I'll let you look at my nephew's room. Little did she know that Spidey's in there changing into his uh, civilians right then. I'm sure Peter wouldn't mind. So where is this kid's place, huh? Where is he now? Goodness, I don't know. He should have left school hours ago. Maybe he's hitting a few bars on the way home. Hey, so this kid's in high school, and his first assumption, because he didn't get home quick enough, is that he's drunk? Mr. Katzenberg, I assure you, my Peter does not indulge in hard liquor. Okay, I okay, I hear you. The kid's a saint. Don't get the hair up your nose, for the love of Mikey. Who's Mikey, and what's a hair up your nose mean? What? Oh, well, that's what she says next. What precisely is that supposed to mean, Mr. Katzenberg? It means I had an old aunt like you, and she had a nose in her head. What? As far as I knew... Butter couldn't melt in my mouth. Mr. Katzenberg, what do you do for a living? I'm a photographer. So is my nephew. Ain't that a dink? I wouldn't care to say. Perhaps I've seen your work. I bet you have, sweet dame. I bet you read all the tabloids. Have I ever seen the National Examiner? I thought so, Mr. Katzenberg. I'd like you to leave. Oh, she got a broom. She's beating on him. What did I do? What did I say? You call my nephew a drunkard, Mr. Katzenberg. And as for the rest, if you don't know, there's really no point in me telling you, is there? Yeah, what a crazy old broad. So, Peter comes home. She tells him uh, that she's had a great day, but, you know, there's some rude and obnoxious people. So, story is she runs off a tabloid photographer. The end. So, that's what we got for this month. Um, sorry it's been such a long time. We've had some computer problems. We're having computer problems today. This is being recorded on a phone, so hopefully the sound quality is okay. Hopefully this doesn't become a lost episode. I've never used this app before. But anyway, this has been episode 16. If you want to reach out to us, you can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, the show is at 21STCENBOYS at 21st Century Boys. Jack, you are at... N underscore garlic. And I am at Iowa's Joe. So you guys have a good night. Thanks for listening. See ya.